Hello, and welcome to Engineering Reimagined. I'm Maria Ramper. From pitching a TV show pilot that will inspire more people to become engineers, to telling a homeowner their house will be resumed for a roadway, Felicity Fury really has covered the highs and lows of being an engineer. At the age of 33, the award-winning engineer and entrepreneur, who was named one of Australia's 100 Women of Influence, has had an interesting career pathway, to say the very least. At the World Engineers Convention, Felicity spoke about why engineers of the future will be philosophers. Greta Thunberg and Socrates may not seem to have much in common, but in Felicity's opinion, the world's changemakers, including engineers, have much to learn from the great thinkers of our time. In this conversation, Kylie Cochran, Oricon's global lead for communications and stakeholder engagement, discusses with Felicity how a new breed of engineers is creating significant impact through social change and how to carve an unusual career path as a young professional in an industry where you're in the minority. Hello and welcome to the latest Engineering Reimagined podcast. My name is Kylie Cochran. I'm the Global Lead for Communication Stakeholder Engagement for Oricon. My other role is that I'm the Global Chair of the International Association of Public Participation. Today I'm interviewing Felicity Fury. Now Felicity is a seriously impressive woman. Seriously impressive. She's an award-winning inspirational speaker, an entrepreneur. She's an engineer who's passionate about diversity, which is dear to my heart. She was recently named as one of the Financial Review Boss Magazine's Young Executives of the Year and one of Australia's 100 Women of Influence. Really tough to get into. Well done. Thank you so much. And tell me, your presentation yesterday was titled Engineers of the Future Will Be Philosophers. Why philosophers and what do you mean by that? Well, I think philosophers ask some really interesting questions. And as engineers, we're problem solvers. So we're always looking for answers to questions. And in preparing the presentation, I found it really interesting to learn that some science actually came originally from philosophy. So Democrates was an ancient philosopher who actually said, what's the, the smallest thing that something can be divided into? And that's when he came up with the concept of the atom. So I think by asking really different big questions that we can be better engineers and the future of engineering is all about how we think not about how much we know. Tell me more about that how we think rather than what we know. Well, I think the traditional engineering structure was, you know, you, you learn a bunch of stuff at uni, then you become a graduate engineer, then an engineer, then a senior engineer. And a lot of the way that we've worked as engineers has been around that, that knowledge base of, you know, risks and assessing structures or things like that, yeah. where they're kind of, you could say, more simple problems. There's a clear problem and a clear answer. But now we're getting into complex and complicated problems where we're unclear of what the problem is and we're also a bit unclear of what the solution is. So I think our ability to ask questions and to, to think differently about solutions is actually going to help us be better engineers rather than I know a whole bunch of calculations. And how we're going to get to that knowing is obviously, you know, Google wasn't around when I was at uni trying yeah. to watch the formula for concrete strength. I can just Google that rather than carrying all my textbooks with me. But also it means we can leverage the knowledge of a lot of different disciplines of people working together to solve problems rather than just having that one expert who can design an entire structure. It's interesting you say that and it, it actually dovetails really nicely with the presentation I gave yesterday around the evolution of engineering. So we started in the traditional space thinking about what would be the, the best design for this particular infrastructure or whatever it was. And it was very efficient. 
in terms of resources, cost, direct route. But from a livability perspective or an environment perspective or a community perspective, it was perhaps not the best approach. Then we move, of course, to human-centred or user-centred design where the engineers start thinking about who they're designing for. And my challenge to the people yesterday was, actually, we need to be in co-design, designing these things and engaging with the people for whom we're designing, communities, consumers, users. It makes sense, right? Yet we get some pushback. Yes. Why do you think we get that resistance? If you look at how the world has been designed, you could say the world has been designed by 90% men. Mm -hmm. And there's implications for that. There was a book that came out this year called Invisible Women, and it talked about how flu vaccinations are actually more, uh, were designed on male physiology. So women are more likely to have adverse reactions. Seatbelt design, airbags in cars. Um, if your car was built before 2011 and you're a woman, you're 47% more likely to be injured, 17% more likely to die. So it's incredibly important that we have diverse thinking and diverse people who are solving these problems. Hmm. So why is it that we're getting some resistance from the engineering industry? Why is it so hard for them to, to move and mm. evolve with the mm. times? I don't think it's just engineering. I think it's easy for people to stay the same and mm -hmm. not change. I think actually, though, engineers have you know great ability to be curious and to be adaptable, and I think we need to leverage those those skills and those strengths. But it's, it's definitely a challenge that we're facing in change is people's attitudes and their resistance to change. Do you think the younger generation has a role to play here? I heard the other day that uh, we're calling our, our Generation Z engineers, so those born after 94, 95, we're calling them the Harry Potter generation, which I don't know if it is an insult or a compliment because they are they have a greater social connection they're more likely to take action on social issues and I look at my daughter and her generation they're very much about they work to live they make it work around them and what they believe and and how they believe and their sense of purpose in the world mm. do you think this generation is going to change what engineering looks like. Definitely. And it's interesting looking at people like Greta Thunberg, you yeah. know, who left school for a day and did a protest. Now that started a worldwide movement. Yeah. So I think in today's world, you know, 140 characters can be more powerful than an army of 140 people. You know, six characters, hashtag me too, started a whole global movement. So yeah. I think that definitely young people are switched on to change. They're not standing for how things have always been. And certainly growing up, I thought to be a leader, you had to be someone who's got grey hair, who's old, who's got 50 years experience, who's got a fancy title like CEO, like leadership is kind of bestowed on you. Mm -hmm. And I think that's starting to flip. I think young people are saying, I can be a leader, I can make change. And we're seeing so much evidence of that with people like Greta, people like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, who stood up to a congressman who'd been there, I think for 14 or 20 years in yeah. his seat. And she came in with a fresh perspective, stood no chance compared to her great attitude, her inspiring talks, and it was incredible to see a young person like her who was a waitress trump him and actually get elected. Mm. So there's lots of cases all around the world where this is actually starting to happen now, and I think young people are switched on and they're wanting to make change. Do you have examples of where it's happening in the engineering industry? Well, I've definitely seen young people starting organisations like Marita Chang from RoboGals, mm -hmm. where she's wanting to create diversity and get more women into the industry. There's a great program that's run by the Foundation for Young Australians called Young Social Pioneers. And mm -hmm. they get a lot of engineers through that program who are wanting to make change in the industry or 
creating technical solutions to problems that haven't been seen before. I saw outside uh, some of the Engineers Without Borders and some of the students have put together some fascinating different stands and information at the World Engineers Convention and some of them were looking at uh, different products that could be used for uh, female menstrual cycles, for example, and how that would make a huge difference in the world. Why is it that female engineers are focusing on that? Mm, Well, I guess female engineers have a pretty direct relationship with that challenge. Uh, I think it's not something that we often talk about in public. And so they're wanting to solve challenges that directly affect them. There's also examples like there's the, the straw that actually you can use to drink water safely through so that's to address the issue of not safe drinking water in in different African countries and we actually at Swinburne had some students go over and they worked on female hygiene on water and also climate resistant agriculture in East Timor and it was actually really awesome to see a lot of men working on the female hygiene and the menstrual cycle products and it was such a great opportunity for them to learn what it was like for women in those countries and they had no idea of the barriers that they faced. I think also when we think about engineering, it's easy to think about bridges and structures and tunnels, but technology could be exactly like you said, like I've got a really good friend who runs a social enterprise called Higher Up, and they're actually using technology to connect carers with people with disabilities. So they actually build a relationship with the carer and they get to work with people who have similar interests, not just kind of randomly getting paired with someone. So there's a great guy who loves busking. So his carer is a really great musician. So I think there's so much engineering that sits behind that technology platform, but that's actually quite a social issue that he's addressing. Yeah, it's fascinating. I love the way that the new breed of engineers are bringing together social issues with their passion for engineering and Mm. we're seeing some really exciting things as a result. Yeah, and when I talk to young people about the future of engineering, I say there's kind of three parts. The first part is that engineering or your STEM skills. That's kind of like your toolkit and your foundation. The second part is the people. How do you actually communicate that and solve these challenges? But none of that's important if you don't know what you want to work on. What's the challenge you want to solve in the world? So I say to young people, think about the challenge you want to solve and then that foundation of engineering and people skills will enable you to do that. So speaking of the challenge you want to solve in the world, one of the challenges that you and I both share is getting more females into engineering, into STEM. How can we encourage young women to look at science, technology, engineering and maths? Mm. There's a lot of barriers. I think it starts from when we're even little, like, you know, three years old, you might say to, you know, boys will be boys or you might caution girls, oh, be careful, you know, don't hurt yourself. So I think language is really powerful and the meaning that we add to it. So I think it starts from that, that culture that we have around gendered roles and so that can switch girls off from the beginning I had never heard about engineering my dad was actually a journalist my Mm -hmm. mum did art there's no engineers in my family and I just picked subjects I like so I did art I did history I did physics and then I got to the end of year 12 had to fill out the QTAC form because I grew up in Brisbane and went what do I put my teacher said maybe you should think about engineering now I thought engineers had to be really smart get top marks I kind of got a C in physics I got B's I wasn't the top student I also thought that engineers did maths all day and I hated maths. So I think young people today have a lot of misconceptions about what engineering is and what they do. We often see the technical elements of 
engineering roles, all those more traditional things, like I mentioned earlier around bridges and roads and or construction site. So I think there's a lot of cultural challenges, a lot of misconceptions, and that's what we need to, to shift to increase diversity. And talking about the why of what engineers do. So, you know, you could still talk about your bridge. I would nerd out about all the concrete, but I know that's not really going to shift things for people. So how I could talk about a bridge that I worked on could be, well, instead of people driving two hours to go from this side of the bridge to that side of the bridge, we've connected them and they can travel in just five minutes to see each other. So speaking of the human element, why do you think your teacher suggested that you go to engineering? What was it about you? I'm still in touch with him. I should definitely ask him because I've never asked him that. But I think he saw how much I loved physics and that I was creative. And he actually wrote me a card at the end of year 12 and said, never stop asking why. So I think that's a really great skill for an engineer to have. And I think he sort of could see that potential in me that I was completely oblivious to and I think having that belief really you know that if he didn't have that conversation I wouldn't have done it and that's why I'm really passionate about talking to girls so I think that creativity adaptability and that love for knowledge. So you started life as an engineer but you've taken a different path can you tell us a little bit more about that and 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 why and how this has happened? Well, I still feel like I've always got the inner core of an engineer and that's not going to change. Uh, Certainly being an engineer has helped me with my other ventures. So I just got sick of turning up to meetings and being the only woman. I would be constantly in meetings. There would be 15 people there and I would be the only woman. I just thought okay, this has been talked about for a long time and I've seen lots of reports come out, but where's the action? Where's the change? So I thought, what could I do to do something about that? And I didn't expect, I didn't think of myself as a leader. I didn't think of myself as a change maker. I just got really, really frustrated and angry. So one day I was in a meeting. We had the opportunity to do something for young girls. I put up my hand and said, I'm going to lead this project. And that was something I'd never done before. So that led to our first Power of Engineering event back in 2012. And the government in Queensland gave us $10,000 towards that. So it went really well. We shifted perception of, of students. And we had 57% change in mind from a no to a yes. We ran out of toilet paper in the girls' bathroom. So I feel like that's success for an engineering <laughs> event. And because I had had that unexpected success I thought well we could we could really do more here so within three months we did another five events around Queensland and now I've done over 120 around Australia so I think showing for me I actually got to see the different skill set that I had in being a leader and creating a team and that shifted what I wanted to do with my career so for the last four or five years I've worked part-time as an engineer and then done my side projects and then A few years ago, I actually quit my job to work on this full time and started a second business called Mackinum. And we have maths resources called Maths in Real Life. And I became our marketing and salesperson, which again, I did not learn in engineering school. Um, But that skill of a problem solver and just figuring things out really helped me start those businesses. And it's really cool to see something that you started actually creating an impact and creating social change. And I think that's the thing, wanting to do something rather than talking about it. I really see that in a lot of the work and the thinking that young engineers have today what do you think are the key skills that they will need to have as we move into the future 
Well, the World Economic Forum produced a paper this year about leadership in the fourth industrial revolution. And interestingly, they said the number one skill for leaders is empowering people. And we've changed from this command and control structure to actually how can we support, engage and empower others. So I think that is going to be a really important skill, particularly as engineers, when we need to be able to get people on site, we need to be able to convince them that our idea is the one to take forward. So we're going to be able to have to be influencers, we're going to have to be leaders also be people-centered so being a white female I can't design for everybody but I can still ask people what their perspective is so Mm. I think we all need to be responsible and accountable for bringing in those different perspectives it's going to become even more important as machines take these routine tasks we're going to be having to bring the people skills and the human element to the fore like never before. Speaking of the human element, uh, one of the things that's a passion of mine is looking at the impact that residents and activists and communities have on impacting projects. We've seen NIMBYs, not in my backyard, YIMBYs, yes, in my backyard, (laughs) bananas, build absolutely nothing anywhere near anything. (laughs) And whilst those acronyms are a bit of fun and lighthearted, the issue is quite serious. What thoughts do you have on how engineers of the future will impact communities And conversely, what impacts will communities have on engineering of the future? Mm, I've just had flashbacks to working at Brisbane City Council as a project manager. One of my roles there was, I was 23 and I had to go tell 12 people we were resuming their house for Mm -hmm. a road project. And it was really, really challenging. And thank God I had a comms team to help me out there. So there's everything we do as engineers is for people. And it's important that we think about all the different elements of that. And we also need to have community consultation. It's imperative to what we do. And the approach I took at Brisbane City Council was consult early, consult up front, do it often. And I was really surprised to see when we did do that, how well the projects went and actually reduced our risks by so much. So as engineers, we've got to use our logic, our engineering judgment to really sift through, okay, how do we consult and take on all the really important feedback? How do we take on these perspectives? But how do we also make an appropriate solution? So it's really difficult to design something that works for absolutely everyone. I feel like that's an impossible task. We have to make compromises in our design. So that really is the job of the engineer to take on that feedback, really engage with the community, really listen, empathize, understand their perspective you know go out on site it completely changes my perspective on every project when I actually see it in real life and and talk to the people that that are living there every day so I think it's incredibly important and essential for not just future projects but really we we need to be doing this now. I'm standing here smiling going tick 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 (laughs) I'm going to go on a slightly different tack now you mentioned earlier that you're a young white female what are some of the barriers you've had in your engineering career and how have you overcome them? In the beginning of my career as an engineer, I was really nervous about speaking up and putting my hand up in a meeting and saying what I really thought. Often everyone remembers your name if you are a minority in the room. And so I was really conscious if I said something that wasn't quite right, then people would go, oh, Felicity said a stupid thing again, and they're going to remember that. So one thing in some ways, it could be a strength, is that I would just, you know, figure out everything that I had to learn. But I also felt like I couldn't ask questions and I'm an extroverted communicator. So how I solve problems is actually by talking to people, which is a real challenge in that situation. So I realized that my opinion was actually 
actually really, really valuable. And if people don't take it on, that's completely fine. You've at least said your piece. And it's really, it seems kind of counterintuitive is when I started to speak authentically and started to speak my mind and share my ideas, people kind of liked them. And I really wish I'd done that earlier. So I think there's a lot of barriers that I've put on myself. I don't think we should be telling women or minorities, well, it's your problem, you need to, to fix those challenges. It you know, we need psychologically safe workplaces where people can express themselves no matter what their differences are. And we need to be open to hearing those perspectives as well. So it's definitely a, a two-way street of people feeling like they can express themselves and, and listening to those perspectives. I'd like to ask you about psychologically safe because it's probably an expression that is not familiar to a lot of people. Could you just explain what that means? Sure. Yeah. So Google did some research. They looked at what are kind of the, the, the cultures and the environments that we need to have in the workplace and being psychologically safe was the number one thing for effective teams. So what that looks like is people being okay to share their perspective and not feel like they'll be judged or assessed or, or torn down. And I think that's really important for us if we're going to be taking risks or putting ourselves out there and those important jobs that we have as engineers to really consider all the options. Mm, thank you. Now, one last question, Felicity. Are we nearly done? We're almost oh, done. I could keep going we for hours. We could keep chatting. <laughs> <laughs> Some advice for a young engineer, whether it be female or male about to start their career, just finished university, what are three key things that you would tell them to do or think about? Mm. I remember finishing a panel and at the end I met Ming Long and the, we were asked a question on the panel, what's like one skill that you need to be a good engineer? And she said to me, no, you don't need anything. You are enough. And I nearly cried when she said that to me. I thought, what I'm like just me being me I'm enough so that would be my first thing to engineers to say you know you are great the way that you are learn about your strengths and really leverage those I wish that's a, probably the second thing is um, learn your strengths and what they are I wish I learned my strengths early on and the second uh, the third thing would be that People aren't going to know what you want unless you actually tell them and communicate it. It can be really challenging putting yourself out there and sharing a big idea. One thing I've been working on right now is how do I create a TV show to inspire people about engineering? Mm. And that is a really scary thought because I have no idea how to do that. But once I started putting that idea out there, I got contacted by a guy who owns two jet planes, two fighter jets. And he said, hey, do you want to fly my fighter jet so we can go around and inspire people and make a TV show? And I thought, this is crazy that I don't know woo-woo universe what's delivered but that certainly inspired me to keep going with the project so actually going what are some of those dreams that you have be brave and share them because once you start sharing them with people that'll actually happen and it could be something really simple like I'd like to be the team leader one day your boss isn't going to know if you want to be the team leader one day if you don't actually tell them yeah, absolutely Felicity it's been a pleasure and a privilege chatting with you today never stop asking why thank you mate really thank appreciate you so it. much what a fascinating episode. I really enjoyed hearing Felicity's views. She certainly is an inspiring force. If you also enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, follow, rate and review us on Spotify and Apple as that helps even more people find out about Engineering Reimagined. Until next time, thanks for listening.